Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would continue to be present as we look to your word. Father, I'm so grateful that your word says of itself that it will not return void. And Father, I believe that it means that that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God, that it will accomplish the purpose that you have set forth for it. And so, Father, today I pray that our hearts would be encouraged, that on certain points we would be convicted, but that, Lord, we would walk away knowing that we have heard from your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for those that might be struggling today, I pray, Lord, that you would lift them up, that you would build them up. And Father, I pray that very soon we would hear word that we will be able to meet and to be united again as part of the body of Christ. Father, I just lift up those that have felt isolated and discouraged. I pray that you would... Lift them up today, build their hearts, build their spirits, encourage them. May they sense the love of the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, welcome to Online Church here today with Silver Creek Church. My name is Kevin Taylor. I am the lead pastor here at Silver Creek. We're so glad that you're with us today. Last week, I hope that you had an opportunity to tune in and listen to Madison Gafeson, one of our deacons here at Silver Creek, as he shared a very special message called the Love Commandment. If you did not have a chance to watch that, I just want to invite you to go to our website, silvercreekchurch.org, and you can find the tab there that, that refers to our messages, and you can watch that message. From that website, you can also find the notes from today's message. They're available for you to follow along, and that might help you. And it would also even be something that you could use for further study. This morning, I want to continue my series of messages on Love Does, and I want to start in the book of Romans this morning, chapter 12, and begin at verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. 
On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This morning, I would like to talk to you about the four things that love does in order to overcome. Our theme today is the idea of overcoming. The first one has to do with a love-hate relationship. You know, from the time that we were children, we were taught not to hate anything. In fact, I remember when our children were little that we really tried to drive that idea home, teaching them that we don't hate anything. And as parents, we, we just do everything that we can to communicate this to them. I remember my kids might say something like, I hate cauliflower. And I would literally be worried about that. And I would say to them, oh, hey, kids, we don't hate anything. And I think really I went overboard a little bit with that because in my mind, hate was always synonymous with the idea of evil. But today I want to I wanna tell you that it's possible that, that we can love something and then hate something else about it and that that's not really something that, that's as mixed up as it sounds. Let me illustrate and tell you this, that I... I love onion soup mix. When my wife puts onion soup mix in the meal, I absolutely love it, but I hate the gas that it gives me later. We can love dessert and hate the calories. We can love exercise clothes, but still hate to work out. God himself loves the sinner, but hates the sin. Love and hate would always seem to be diametrically opposed. But let's look again at Paul's words in Romans 12. They're right at the beginning at verse 9 where he says that love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. What Paul is saying when he says that love must be sincere, he is saying to us that love must be without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when we say one thing and we do something completely different. Let me read from 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18 where John the Beloved says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In order for love to be sincere, we need to do two things. We need to hate evil, and we need to cling to that which is good. The idea of hate and hating evil is an intense hatred for that which is evil. And the idea is to hold on at the same time to that which is good. On Saturday, I have the privilege of doing a wedding for a young couple here in our church 
And during those vows and during my time of speaking to that couple, I will be sharing the scripture with them where Jesus talks about a man leaving his father and his mother. And the scripture says that he will cleave to or cling to his wife. In other words, there's no cleaving without leaving. We've got to leave something before we can cleave to something else. So the idea of clinging or cleaving literally means to be stuck together like glue. We need to to cling to that which is good. We need to be stuck like glue to that which is good. Now, we can't hate evil without clinging to that which is good. We can't love good if we are constantly flirting with those things that are evil. Over the past three weeks, we have seen the ugliness of racism come to light here before our very eyes in this country. We cannot love equality without hating racism. We can't entertain racism. Uh, If we entertain racism, rather, uh, we can't be glued to the idea or the concept of equality for all people. Hatred for racism must be glued to loving others, loving people. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. If we're going to overcome, we must understand that we need to hate evil and be glued to that which is good. And secondly, is the idea of practice, practice, practice. When I was a kid, I decided that I wanted to take music lessons. And I started out on the organ because my mom played the organ. And I remember the conversation with my folks. I wanted to take lessons so bad, and I thought it would be really good. And and so I started playing the organ. I was so small that when I would sit on the organ bench, my feet would not reach the pedals. Now, I know that you find that very hard to believe. But what they did was they sold our, 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 we we bought a, a set of wooden extensions that looked like a key, a box of keyboard that would sit on the pedals of the organ. And, and so that's the way I learned to play the organ. And it's not really a, a, a hard, you know, stretch of the imagination to, to know that I switched to the piano just because I thought it was cooler and I didn't have to lug around that, that big set of wooden extensions in order to reach the pedals. And while I was growing up, it was the rule that I had to practice 30 minutes a day because my dad was spending $5 a week on my lessons. And I remember my dad saying, 
to me, Kevin, I want you to practice the piano. And I would sit down at the piano and inevitably he would have to go run an errand. He would run the errand and he would come back and he would ask me, Kevin, have you been practicing this whole time or have you been watching TV? The piano was in the same room as the television. And I would say, Dad, of course I have been practicing my piano. And my dad would reach over behind the television and touch the back of the television and literally almost burn his hand because that TV was so hot. Now, my practicing was a little different than a young man that I met years later. His name was Jonathan. And I met him when he was a freshman in high school. And Jonathan introduced himself to me. I was a youth pastor at the time. And he said, you know, I'd like to be a part of the worship team. I play the guitar. And I found out that Jonathan was one of those kids that played the guitar for hours a day. In fact, one time I asked him, Jonathan, how, how much do you really play a day? And his estimation was that he played about four hours a day. Today, Jonathan lives in Nashville. He's a producer and a mix engineer, and he helps other musicians make the dream of what they hear inside their head come alive in the studio. And it's because he practiced so hard that he's able to do that. Let's turn our attention just for a second to Romans 12, where we read earlier in verse 13, where Paul says, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. The word practice literally means pursue. Jonathan pursued excellence on his instrument by practicing it. And Paul is telling us as the believers that we need to pursue something very specifically here. And he uses the the idea of hospitality, but when he says hospitality, he's really alluding to strangers. That we need to pursue a love for strangers. Now, we all know that it's so much easier to, to love and, and even entertain those that are our friends. Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 46 where Jesus said, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? You see, in Jesus' world, the, the tax collectors were considered traitors. And they were able to love other people in their, in their own profession. And what's the big deal? If, if, if all we can do is love those who love us, we're not really doing anything all that spectacular. It's not that hard. Paul is telling us that we need to pursue a love for strangers. That we need to literally, he encourages us to to open ourselves, open our homes, open our lives for those that are strangers and that need our hospitality. You know, I think that most of us, we would be willing to open our homes 
if we knew that a family member or a, a close friend really needed us and they needed a place to stay, they needed a place to be, they needed a meal. But what about the idea of opening our families, opening our home, opening our resources to those that are strangers? Let me tell you something, it's much more difficult. And if we're going to overcome, I believe that God calls us to pursue loving strangers, to pursue opening ourselves up to those who are not currently a part of our circle, that we would open ourselves up, that we would pursue those people. And as we do so, we will literally begin to overcome because that's what love does. Thirdly, I want to bring up the idea of paybacks. Look at Romans 12 again, where Paul says in verse 14 that we are to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. There was a piece written a number of years ago by a man named Robert Fulgham. And it was called, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And some of the things that Fulgham talked about that we learned was that we should share, that we should learn to play fair, that we should be careful not to hit others, that we should always put things back, that we should clean up our mess, that we should be careful not to take things that belong to other people, that we should always be willing to say that we're sorry that we should wash our hands. That one really translates very well today. And here's another single word that he uses that everyone needs to learn, flush. That speaks for itself. He also said that we learned that warm cookies and cold milk are a good thing and that everybody needs to take a nap every day. I don't know about you, but when I went to school, there were different rules than that. And I, I'm sure that the teachers were espousing all of those rules. But I remember one rule that we had when I was a kid, and it was called no paybacks. And so someone would do something to you that you didn't like, and they would say no paybacks. And it meant that whatever they had done to you, you could not do back to them. When I read through the list of things that Fulgham talks about, I think of the golden rule that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Jesus says this, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. You know, it's our natural reaction in life that when someone does something to us that we 
judge as being wrong or evil or unfair. It's our natural reaction to meet that action with exactly the same thing. So if they mistreat us, it's natural for us to then in turn want to mistreat them. If they offend us, we want to be offensive to them. If they are cruel to us, we consider that it's our it's, it's only fair for us to be cruel back to them. But Paul says that instead of cursing those who persecute us, and, and, and rather than, than meeting their evil action with other evil action, that instead we should turn and we should bless them. He goes on and he tells us that we shouldn't take matters into our own hands. Paul quotes the Old Testament and he uses the word avenge. Uh, it, it, it's mine to avenge, the Lord says. And that word avenge, it means to take satisfaction for injury by inflicting punishment on the offender. Paul tells us we should not desire to take matters into our own hands. Our natural human response is to get revenge. And what we are ultimately doing when we act that way, when someone does evil to us and we say, I'm not going to let them get away with it, I'm going to respond in kind, that we literally are infringing on God's right to bring righteous judgment on that person. We've decided that we're going to meet judgment out upon them. If as a believer and as the church, if we are truly going to overcome, we need to be willing to give up what is our natural desire for payback. And number four, the extra mile. Look at chapter 12 again of Romans down in verse 20, where Paul tells us that on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, we had just talked about this idea of no paybacks. But Paul takes it even further. He doesn't just stop and say that, that if we're going to overcome, we've got to give up that, that natural desire to, to give evil for evil. No paybacks. He takes it another step further. And he said not only that, but we need to literally then overcome evil. Don't be overcome by it. Don't pay it back evil for evil. But then we've got to overcome evil. So how do we do that? What does that really look like? Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says in verse 38, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now, when we look at Jesus quoting from the Old Testament here, 
The Old Testament did not give a person the entitlement um, that every time they were offended that that offense could be avenged. This, these words from the Old Testament didn't mean that every time someone poked you in the eye that you got to poke them back. It didn't mean that every time someone knocked a tooth out of your head that you got to then knock a tooth out of their head. What it really was doing is it was prohibiting wild retaliation. The scribes really were responsible for this because they were stressing the very letter of the law. But in Jesus' law, he takes it to a whole new level and he tells them that when someone hits you, that you need to turn to them the other cheek rather than meeting what they've done to you with a like kind of action. And he tells us that we need to go the extra mile. Now, in the first century, we know that politically, Rome was the government that was in charge of this whole part of the world. And there was a law that a, a Roman soldier, if he were traveling along, that he could conscript a civilian that was traveling in that same direction and that that civilian would be required by law to carry his armor, his pack, whatever he had, that civilian was obligated to carry that load for one mile. Paul is telling us that as believers, we need to go beyond, above and beyond what is required by the law. Let's look again at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. He said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who who persecute you. If we are going to overcome evil in this world, if we are going to overcome the evil that sometimes is perpetrated against us as the body of Christ, as the follower of Jesus, we must embrace going above and beyond, going the extra mile that is not required of us. Friends, I believe that we can overcome. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that we will overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The Bible says that, that we can overcome, that we are indeed overcomers. That Jesus gives us the power to overcome the enemy. The Bible says, Jesus says that, that literally I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. We are given this promise. In John, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 5, the apostle John writes this, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Friends, in this series we've been talking about the things that love does. And as the church and as a believer, if we're going to truly overcome, 
then we need to hate evil and to cling and be glued to that which is good. We need to pursue a love that is outside of our normal circle. We need to open our arms up to those who have previously been strangers to us. And we need to give up our natural desire to pay back the evil that may have been done to us. And we need to go the extra mile. I want you to look at Paul's words in Romans chapter 5, two things that he says here. The first one is this, that at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then a couple verses later in verse 8, Paul says this, that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to know that as we've talked about the fact that love does, that God has done not just something, but he's done the greatest thing. He's done the best thing for you and for me that he gave his son Jesus, that Jesus himself has done all that he could by dying for the ungodly. And so today, I want to really close our time together, and there's two things that I, I really want to speak to before I close. The first one is this. If you have never taken advantage and received what love can do for you through God's love, through Jesus' love for you, today can be that day. The Word of God says that now is the time of salvation. If you've never come to God in a way before where you have repented of your sin, where you have opened the door of your heart and invited God to come in, where you have acknowledged that it's God's love that sent Jesus to the cross to die for your sins and that you desire to be forgiven, today can be that day. And I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray today Lord, that as we have been talking about what love does, the ultimate example of love is, God, what you've done for us. You demonstrated that by sending Jesus at just the right time. And Jesus, you've done everything that you could by giving yourself to die for our sins on the cross. And so, Father, as we are in this moment, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to hearts and speak to lives that have not taken advantage of that love. They have not accepted and received that love. And so right now, I pray that right where they are, whether it's at their kitchen table, whether it's on their couch or a chair, maybe they're sitting on a beach somewhere, wherever it is, that they will simply say, God, I want to take advantage of the love that you have for me that caused you to give your son, that caused Jesus to die for my sin. 
I want to receive that love today. Father, I'm so thankful that at that moment that someone speaks a prayer like that, that indeed the love of Jesus, the love of God will come into their hearts and their lives and literally transform them by the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you today as a follower of Jesus that you will really begin to think about the things that love does. We can be so encouraged. I know that this has been a difficult season for us. I know that Many of us are seeing those around us whose churches are beginning to open and we will gather soon. But I want to encourage you that we can overcome, not just in this one situation, but as the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus, that we can overcome if we do what love would have us to do. I pray God's blessing on you today. We love you, we're praying for you, and we will see you very soon.